me, how's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know who it is. This is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast. Hey, everybody, it is Tuesday. It's the 25th of October. And, well, we got a good one for you today. We're going a little more on the progressive style today. Yeah, I said progressive style. You know what? That's like us here at the Core Progression Podcast. They say, like me at the Core Progression Podcast. Rock, metal, oh, yeah. You know I like my punk rock, my hard rock, and my metalcore. Blech! However, you know, I always like to try, you know, expand my horizons, give something a shot. And I love the fact that I gave this shot because the conversation that came from it was fantastic. Before we jump into it, though, I want to thank our sponsor of the podcast, which is Manscaped. So, yes, it is basically the almost time for Halloween. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is look down there by your boys and just see the wildest, scariest bush you've ever seen. You know, you don't want to look down there and feel like you either saw a ghost or feel like, you know, you're seeing the scariest, like, down there. Plus, your partner, they're not going to want to see that either. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I don't want to go anywhere near that thing. And you're going to be like, oh, my God, how do I fix this? That's where Manscaped comes in for the best care for your boys down there. So in order to prevent, you know, the spooky season down there from spooking off everybody, including yourself, I suggest trimming yourself up down there. Make it look good, if you know what I mean. And that's where Manscaped comes in with their Lawnmower 4.0. So, what does Lawnmower 4.0 bring for you? Well, it's their very own trimmer for your boys down there that gets you the best shave down there. So, what does it include? It's the trimmer. They also have skin safe technology on that trimmer to make sure you prevent those nick type of cuts where you're not like, because ah, 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 last thing you want to do is cut yourself down there. The blade is kind of like a ceramic-ish blade. So yeah, it's not going to cut you as bad or if it cut you at all, I should say. It's going to get you the smoothest shave down there. That's the best way to describe it. It also is waterproof. So say you like shaving in the shower. Yeah, don't got to worry about that. It also is a 4K LED light because when you're mowing down there, when you're cutting up that bush, when you're trimming it up, you want to see what you're doing. So make sure you go and get one for yourself or for your partner, or for literally anybody that's out there, if that might want one, and prevent them from being all spooky down there this spooky season. So you can go get one at manscaped.com and use the code CPP to get 20% off and free shipping your entire order. Thank you, Manscaped. Now in our feature presentation. So I got to talk to France from the band Caustic Casanova on the podcast today. Their style is more progressive rock, kind of also like stoner, psychedelic, sludgy kind of style, which for me is like, that's something that's definitely not really in my wheelhouse, but got to go give it a shot. Their brand new album, Glass Enclosed Nerve Center, is available now for you guys to go check out. So we dive into the album. We dive into the 22 and a half minute epic that is Bull Moose Against the Sky. We talk about how Shrouded Coconut kind of made me feel like I was listening to Rush again. And Francis is a huge Rush fan, so you can see how that goes. And we talk about how... How important it is just to give support to your local scene, to give a chance to all these different bands, and just how an endorsement can go so, so, so far for any band out there, whether it's from someone that has a lot of pull in the scene or whether it's just from someone like yourself. Who knows? Is this a good one to listen to? Ooh, yeah. So are you guys ready? Because I sure am. Please welcome France from Costa Casting over the Corporate Rush Podcast. We're doing it. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and boys and girl listeners of the Core Progression Podcast. You know we're bringing as much different rock and metal to you guys as much as possible. And this one's a little bit of a newer one for me in terms of style. So initially progressive rock, but also saw a stone psych sludge. I'm like, okay, there's definitely something really interesting here to come check out. So 
I want to talk span, bring you guys, see what happens. The Banzoom Glass Enclosed Nerve Center will be available by the time this podcast leaves, so you can go check it out. But before you go check it out, let's talk with someone, shall we? So please welcome Francis the band, Casa Casanova to the podcast. So Francis, welcome to the Core Progression Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Thank you for being on, sir. How is everything going in your world these days? I know we're recording this right before the album comes out, so like I know it's probably you know a lot going on with coming up to the release of that, and then once the release hits, a lot having happened. So how's everything going on your end? Uh, really good. We just, I mean, last night we just played uh, an almost sold out show at the Auto Bar in Baltimore with uh, Heavy Temple and King Buffalo, and it was it was really really awesome. And we just got off like a week week and a half tour with the obsessed and ecstatic vision and we went out to monolith on the mesa in new mexico uh it was a beautiful festival in a beautiful place in the high desert surrounded by the mountains it was one of the most magical experiences of everyone in the band's life and it was just amazing so it's been a cool couple weeks cool couple weeks i gotta say you definitely got it sound like you're riding high right now with all those different experiences playing all those different shows going to festival i mean that just sounds like music heaven right there. Yeah. I mean, this monolith in the Mesa festival was musical heaven. Uh, I mean, it was like, it's just, you're just surrounded by, I, I encourage, I mean, I, it's a pretty new festival, but I encourage anyone who's interested in like stoner rock, psych rock, that kind of thing to, to check it out next year. Cause I really want it to grow. It's just, if I don't know if you've ever been out to Taos, New Mexico, that area of the country, but it's just such a beautiful place and such great people and man they really did it up with uh with the great booze at taos mesa brewing and great food and great marijuana for everyone it was just great (laughs) just a good time and i can already tell you i've got a couple of friends right now that you know just hearing about the salad festival knowing your salad music as well they'd be totally down to you know go support that festival and take part in all of that the music the booze the good old marijuana because well it's getting legal in like almost every single state at this point. It's going to be a thing. So yeah, fuck it. We're talking about it. So Monolith of the Mesa, how'd you guys get on this festival, especially with it being such more of a, you know, a newer festival coming up? Well, that's a pretty interesting story, actually. Our um, a really good friend um, here in Maryland, uh, Dave Sherman, who was in the Obsessed, the Spirit Caravan, Weed is Weed, a, a lot of sort of legendary bands in our stoner rock bands in our area and and bands that people know about in all over the world earth ride is, is his most recent project he um we were going to tour out with his band and he he's always been a, he was always a big booster of ours and he um sort of insisted that we get to be on this festival to do this tour with them and so that was really cool someone a, a elder statesman in the scene sort of speaking up for us and saying this band should be on this festival and then they ended up dropping off and uh, and we ended up doing it with the obsessed and it, it worked out differently and um and then dave sadly died uh a few weeks before we were to go out there and his, his funeral was actually the day we played so it was a crazy like it was a crazy coincidence and the whole thing was like weird cosmic cosmic kind of thing all these coincidences but yeah dave sherman who passed away tragically a few weeks ago is the reason we were on that festival but it does say a lot to your band specifically with Casa Casanova that 
someone that had that much, you know, influence in the music scene that you're in was pushing for you guys and supporting you guys to be on this festival, really being the the voice of like, hey, you guys got to put this band this festival, check it out, you know, giving the full on, you know, seal of approval, stamp of approval, whatever you want to call it. And that is kind of like a weird coincidence too that the day you guys played was also the day of his funeral. Well, it's like, you know, cosmic alignment, like planets yeah. are perfectly aligning. You know, the Milky Way is right above you guys while you're playing like something like that. So, you know, in a way it is a little weird, but I mean, knowing that it must've been a really interesting experience playing, especially when someone that had supported you guys for so long with that much influence in the scene and potential influence on your music as well, you know, kind of having like essentially, you know, playing in his honor that day in, in a set, in a way, yeah. you know? Well, we dedicated every set on the tour to him, and, and we actually had a song called Ta- – we have a song called Taos Lightning, which is about the town of Taos, New Mexico, and, and uh, um, based on a, a book I read about Kit Carson called Blood and Thunder, and uh, changed the lyrics to honor Dave Sherman. And we had never played it live, so we, we played it live for the first time on that tour and, and, um, and changed some of the lyrics – to include his name. And I think it'll always be that way. The whole thing was, it was a weird, like I said, it was a weird thing. And, um, and it, you know, it's, it's really, really sad that Dave died, but it's, it was cool that we got to at least do our little part to, to honor him. And to go back to what you were saying about the endorsement or whatever uh, from people who are higher up on the food chain. I mean, I think that that kind of thing is how the music world should run and all of the bands that do that kind of thing for other people are the way that a lot of the, you know, it's hard work and other people sticking their neck out for you is how it goes. And so I always try to do that for anyone who needs a leg up that I really believe in too, because you never, you'd be surprised how far it goes. You know, it's all about people and reputations. And so it's always good to stick your neck out for other people because that might be all they need to get to the next level. Yeah, because there are plenty of bands out there that, you know, they might have not hit the big time yet. They might not have absolutely gotten to the point where you think they deserve to be. There might be smaller bands in your local community as well that are absolutely killing it sound-wise. Everything's going well, but it's just there's something that's just not there that's yep. just not getting to that next level. And it, we're, I'm seeing a lot of it, too, in Rock and where you have a lot of those. Sometimes you have a lot of the, you know, older bands, you know, the ones that have been high up for so many years. It's they're really not paying attention to anything that's going on current or new, not really giving any yeah. sort of connection or any sort of like, you know, stamp, seal approval, any sort of, you know, sticking their neck out for them, like you had said, and kind of seeing where, you know, rock and metal or anything around there with their subgenres as well, how popular they were, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even going to the 2000s, and now seeing how different genres like hip hop and rap, pop, uh, popular country yep. have overtaken them. It really does speak to just, not only the community as a as a whole, where building up our music back once again, but also just how important it can be for a certain band or just a certain group or a certain person. If someone that has a lot more of that pull and a lot more of that reputation just says something positive, just sticks their neck up for a little bit, you'd be surprised how far that actually goes. Absolutely. I always say that this this whole world, I mean, I can only speak to sort of underground rock and punk but it's absolutely not a meritocracy and there's so many people that are so talented far more talented than me that you know never got outside of playing in front of really nobody you know and you can really like if you just if you don't have the the cards 
you know, if you don't have the stars aligned for you in a particular way, it's really, you know, it's possible for really, really great art and great music to get absolutely no audience. And that, you know, that makes me sad. And I, you know, for as unlucky as I feel our band has been in a lot of ways over the years, there's so many, we've, we have gotten a lot farther than a lot of bands that I know that are just as talented and just as hardworking. So, you know, it's just, you just got to help other people. It's all about community and helping people because that's, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So. Oh, I mean, that's been said many times on the podcast, the rising tide lifts all boats or a similar way that I look at it too is like, take the ethos of the mosh pit and, you know, look at it like this. When someone falls down, we pick them back up. It doesn't matter exactly. if you know them or not. It's you're there to help them. We're all there to make sure that what we're doing there, everyone's having the best time possible. Everyone's enjoying themselves. And we create this space where it's just as positive as possible. And if you're not picking those people up or take a look from the music side, you know, from a band side, if you're not picking up as a, even as a fan, picking up some of these local acts and supporting your local scene as well, how do you expect these bands to get to certain places? You know, maybe you're not the person that's going to give them that, you know, full on seal approval, like someone like, you know, someone that's massive in the world is going to, but it's going to give them an opportunity and more chances to get to that point. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a lottery in a way, but the more you have, more tickets you have there, the more yeah. you're going to be able Better to chance you have to win. I mean, the band, the band we played with just last night, uh, King Buffalo, like I saw them, I used to routinely see them play in our, you know, the, the small town that we live in Frederick, Maryland now in front of 10 or 15 people. And they would come through every six months or whatever. And uh, I'm very familiar with what that's like to play in front of 15, very enthusiastic people in a small dive bar on a Wednesday. And now they're selling out, uh, medium-sized rooms all over America that, and those guys work harder than anyone. I mean, they, they have no label and they just have put so much hard work in, but had they not toured with clutch, I'm not sure that they would have gotten to go, you know, maybe they'd be putting 60 people in the room and not 150 people in the room, but like it all snowballs, you know, if you work really hard, you know, what's the old line? Like the harder I work, the luckier I get. If you keep working hard, and people help you, it will just all snowball into this big effect that helps everyone and helps the opening bands and helps us playing for them, you know? Yeah, because, like, I mean, like you said, with King Buffalo, going on tour with Clutch definitely was a big help because it brings in a lot another, lot more eyes to them, along with a lot of other tours that are happening, too. It's go and check out these opening bands because you never know what you might get. You never know what you might expect. I mean, you might get something where it might not just hit you as right, but that's fine. You gave it a chance. Or you might find something that you're going to sit there and be like, um, that might be the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Might be your new favorite band. It might be your new favorite band. It might be a memory that you'll never, ever forget just by giving something a chance. Heck, even if it's a band that, you know, say you like one of the openers, but you're not sure of the headliner. You've never heard him before. Still, wait, give it a chance. See what happens. Yeah. I've had that before. I mean, I'm wearing an Ice Nine Kill shirt. It's the perfect thing because I found them out from literally going to a show to see Howard Jones perform with Light the Torch. And I stayed because okay, I'm yeah. like, I want to stay because I bought a ticket and I had an absolute blast. I'm like, yep, that's that's why you do this stuff. Yeah, that reminds me of like when I went to a big a big arena show uh, with some friends with, 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 that was uh, Dillinger Escape Plan and Soundgarden opening up for Nine Inch Nails. And I had ne and Nine Inch Nails had never really hit me, um, even though I have a really weird con connection 
through a family member to to Trent from the eighties, but um, it never really hit me. I'd never really been a fan. Industrial music is just isn't my thing necessarily. And I was I'm a massive Soundgarden fan and a massive Dillinger Escape Plan fan, and that was really what I was there for. And um, but God, I mean the Nine Inch Nails that show made me such a fan because that I mean that show is one of the best shows you can see. And to, I was like. You know, I don't. I didn't touch my phone or go get a beer for the entire two hours. I was just glued to that whole thing. It was that good, and I didn't really know the songs outside of the, the main hits. You know, it just shows you like a good show and always sticking around and having an open mind for everything is, you know. Yeah, because you never know what you're going to experience. If you don't have that open mind, you're never going to have one of those moments where, especially from a live show, it's like you're never going to have one of those moments where you're literally just staying there watching, being lost in the moment in pure awe and just happiness at what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and just feeling that positivity flow through you. Because if you're kind of like, okay, you're going to be more closed mind about it. Yeah, you might just stick with, you know, certain things that you enjoy, but you're not going to be able to give these other things a chance. You're going to be opening these new experiences or from a small, like an emerging smaller band perspective, you're not going to be able, you're not going to give them that chance when they could be, you know, the next big thing. Cause every single band you've ever heard started out at that point or was at least at that point sometime. Yep, exactly. And it just kind of just keeps speaking to it. So just always keep your mind open, everybody. That's the best way to put it. Just keep your mind open to music, especially you never know. Because that local band that you saw that maybe played in front of six people or maybe just played in front of 10 super duper enthusiastic people, the next time they come around, something might have happened and they might be playing to like two, 300 people. But maybe with your support, it could have been four or 500. You never know. But if you like something, right. give and, it a chance. And another thing is when you're having those experiences with 10 other people, you can make a, a memory and a connection that is so intense. You know, if, if you, you can basically make friends with every single person there and probably hang out with the, every person in the band and have a really meaningful experience that you'll when that band has 200 people, you'll never get that back again because so many people want a piece of their time and it's just not the same. They can't hang out with everybody. And, you know, the music's still just as good a lot of times. And so always worth going to those Tuesday shows, you know, with 10 people at them. A lot of times I just pick a random thing that I don't know what it is at all. Just read a description. I don't listen to any music and I just go. Sometimes I'm surprised how many people are there. Sometimes there's no one there. But I've, you know, I've had a lot of cool experiences doing that and building community that way. And there's a lot of of good music out there that needs a chance. Is there one experience from you doing that, like going to a smaller show like that? Is there one that just really stands out in your mind as like the the most, you know, incredible, like peak story that you could think of, man. I, I mean, if you have me on again, I can, I can prepare this anecdote, but no, <laughs> I can't, I can't think of one exactly, but the, in Frederick, Maryland, where I live now, where, um, at one point, all of us in the band lived, um, I, we, we honestly live there because of experiences like that, because we had this little tiny dive bar called Guido's, that you know was about an hour from where we were living in dc and i just found myself going there constantly because one person this guy dustin a friend of mine dustin davis um, was just bringing national acts and just had a great eye for curating an eye and an ear for curating great kind of bands that would be big like king buffalo that no one knew who they were to bring them in to this tiny little dive bar 
and they were just always great shows. And sometimes they were packed and sometimes there were five people and you never knew what exactly it was going to be, but it was always going to be good. And I was always going up there just to be a part of this small little dive bar where really everyone was welcome. Um, not in sort of an artificial way, but in like anyone from any walk of life, there were people that were 80 years old there. There were people that were 15 there, you know, there was everyone from the community would just go and watch awesome metal and punk instead of watching shitty cover bands like it is in a lot of places. So I went, you know, uh, so many experiences there that I treasure for the rest of my life. Seeing a lot of bands that are huge now. Um, RIP to that bar. It's closed, unfortunately. You lost it during COVID. Ah, shit. That's one thing that was really bad with the whole entire COVID pandemic was just seeing all the different smaller independent venues that end up having to close because of it. And I mean, we understand why they had to because they weren't getting any, you know, no shows. Business wasn't rolling in. And with live shows and music, it was going to be the first thing that was going to, you know, go away, especially at that time. And the last thing to come back, given what the pandemic was, given what the COVID-19 was in terms of transmission. So, I mean, it sucks because now there are less of those places to give bands like, you know, give those upcoming bands a chance and give people a chance to have those moments where, like you said, you might be seeing a show with, you know, 60, 70 people and everyone's having a great time. And all of a sudden you get a different experience. But then you might see another show with like five to ten people and it has much more of this intimate feeling. And all of a sudden now you've got a whole different experience that just sticks in your mind all of a sudden. Yeah. Now you have this totally positive, incredible experience that you relate to this band just because you saw them with only a couple people. Yeah. One of those shows are what makes people intense fans for life. You know, those really intimate connections. Yeah. And of course, you know, you're still going to want to go see those big bands that you love and go see them at their large shows because the production is going to be absolutely insane and incredible. But also, here's one thing to think about. Once you have loved to have seen that band when they when you could have had like a five to ten person show. Think about that. If you could have seen your favorite band at that moment, what would it have been like? You know, yeah. and that band still might be out there for you. Your favorite band now might not be your favorite band in a couple of years because you might go to a small show, see some band, all of a sudden, boom, that moment happens. Yeah, absolutely. Just an incredible thing. And hopefully you guys are able to, you know, bring more, or I would say, have brought some of those moments to people, especially with your uh, the live shows you've been playing over the past month. Yes, I hope that uh, the many times we've played in front of five to ten people has brought some pretty intense connections for people. But, you know, we are we're always down to hang out and chat with anyone about, you know, anyone who's interested in anything I'm doing is is a blessing to me. So I got time for anyone to talk about the stuff. You know, we're not in it to be we're not, nobody's getting rich doing this. So, I'm you know, I'm in it for the human connections and the conversation. So, um, yeah. I, I hope that people have had cool experiences seeing us with small crowds because that's been most of them. But, you know, once in a while, like last night, we get, you know, 150 people watching us go on at eight o'clock. And that was, you know, intense and magical and beautiful as well. So, well, if you guys end up making your way up to my area, I'm going to have to call a couple of my friends and be like, all right, we're going to go there. How many people are going to be there? I don't know. But all we know is it's going to be something you're going to want to witness. Where are you at? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, cool. Yeah. We've played in Milwaukee a few times. Um, always different places. One place I really liked there was uh, like it's called like Frank's Power Plant or something. 
Do you remember that? It's closed. I remember the name. I don't think I ever was there though. It was a cool, it was a cool place. Uh, there was a dog that just sat at the bar and had its own stool. That was pretty cool. And uh, um, one time, like they were such a cool venue. Like one time our, our show, this is like in the middle of April, our show got snowed out on one side of Milwaukee and they were like, fine, like we'll do the show at the last second. Like it starts at 10 o'clock and we move the show across town where the, where the roads are passable. I always never forget that. That was so awesome of them. See, now that's something that, you know, if you had a, like a larger venue or more, one of those more corporate venues, that would never happen. But when you have a bunch of these right. independent venues, like they're willing to work together just to make sure that you're they're bringing you the music because it's all for the love of the music. You're doing it for the love of the music yep. and just because this makes you happy. We go to shows because it's what makes us happy. You know, we're not going to shows to, you know, make money or, you know, because we feel like we have to. We're going to these shows. We're getting into these crowds because that's what we want to do. Yeah, exactly. Man, I wish I kind of would have seen that show, but, you know, blame myself for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we uh, we've played a bunch of venues in Milwaukee. I'm 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 blanking on some of the names. We've never been able to build up much of an audience there, but it's just we haven't gone back enough times. We played Madison this last time, this last tour, and it was uh, that was pretty cool, too. But um, yeah, love Milwaukee, love the food. Um, always happy to go there. Well, maybe we'll see you back there, especially you yeah. know, maybe next year after, you know, Glass of Closed Nerve Center has been out for a little bit. Maybe people get a little bit yeah. more latched onto it. But let's talk about the album a little bit, shall we? Which is coming out again October 7th. So by the time this podcast leaves everybody, you will be able to go and listen to it. Um, as you know, links will be in the description of the podcast for everything. So you'll be able to miss out on it. So when it came to this whole entire album, when it came to writing this album, what was the whole entire inspiration behind it? Because I always love to see, you know, where your thought process was coming from, especially with something where from my side, I mean, I always love like hard rock, punk rock, metalcore. So this is a little bit different for me. So I'm trying to get my head still wrapped around this whole entire thing. Cause for five tracks with one of them going, you know, 22 and a half minutes long, I was like, Oh boy, I'm in for something. Yeah, it's definitely something. Um, well, I'll try to, I'll try to give you an answer. That's that's good and the people would be interested in hearing without making it too long. When we uh, we first we started jam the 22 minute song came first. We started just jamming on um, we started jamming on the riff to Blue Oyster Cults Don't Fear the Reaper in the wrong tuning. <laughs> and uh, it just sounded really cool and we were like, let's just do that and kind of like go on with that. And we just kind of started building this thing that then was like five minutes and six minutes and like 10 minutes. And then just kept going and going. We had all these ideas. And then after a while, it was like, oh, my God, this is like a sidelong, like progressive rock epic. Without vocals or anything, it was just this collection of riffs. And at that point, we were just three. And our guitar player, Andrew, said he was moving to upstate New York and with to his wife, got a job up there or his fiance at the time. And then we decided we, Oh shit. Like we have to decide like what we're doing. Like he didn't want to commit to something crazy that never works out anyway, where you fly back all the time and like do it, you know, it's like, and we have too many opportunities here in DC that are like opening for big bands on a Wednesday or whatever. So we decided we would get someone else. There was only one person that we thought of that we knew that could play this kind of material 
Jake Kimberly, who's in this a bunch of local bands. He's 10 years younger than me. We asked him right away. We never played with him. Didn't really know him. He agreed. So like right away, he was in there doing a 22 minute song with us. So it's like trial, pure trial by fire, learning this 22 minute song that we wanted to get recorded quickly before Andrew moved. And um, it all just kind of, it was just like throwing someone new while you're doing the most ambitious thing possible that you've ever done is going to just create this overflowing, you know, fountain of creativity and getting to know somebody and just all of this stuff. So it was just this intense period of creativity and we were playing all the time. He was having to learn all this old material and we were writing new material and just incorporating all the things we'd been working on. Plus this new person's sensibilities that were maybe a little more prog rock, indie rock. Andrew is like punk rock, a lot more punk. And it was just this Stephanie and I are really into a lot of things, a million things. So it's just a big, a big stew for a really intense period. And then we toured um, with just with Jake, Andrew moved and we did a long tour with just him. And then we came back and wrote some more really intense over the top music. And then COVID hit and we had like a year and a half to sit on it and just wait and fine tune some stuff and the whole 22 minute song would have never become what it was with this whole historical epic and all this crazy keyboard and all of this stuff had we not had a year to sit around and be like to really really over scrutinize it so even though we were so frustrated about covid because we were going to go tour europe and there were so many things that were happening for us then it turned out that the record would not be possible without COVID because we just had so much time to sit around and endlessly scrutinize. So it made the whole record. It's hard to divorce it from just listening to the, the original cut of, of, of a record of, of the, you know, the instrumental for instance, and just having a year to think about what I would do for the vocals, (laughs) you know, it's never a situation I've been in before. And I, I think it really showed that Steph and I worked on them like so much because it's a lot better. I think the melodies and the singing and everything are, are a lot better than we'd ever done. We reached a lot higher. Well, especially when, you know, you have a year and a half just to sit on this stuff because of COVID, like many bands did, like there was, there were things that you could have done as any band could have, you could have just sat there and waited, or you could have taken a look at what was there, what you had and just, do what you can with that time. And from your perspective, taking that time to really zero in on all these songs, especially the 22 and a half minute one, and just really get an understanding of what it is and just constantly scrutinizing it so that when it would come out in its full capacity, that what you had there was what you felt was what you wanted to have there. Sonically, it sounded the way that you wanted it to sound. And you left no stone unturned in terms of making sure that, okay, maybe this is good. I like this, but not fully, uh, you know, if if you were trying to push us out as quickly as possible, I like this, but I'm not sure if I fully like it. You know, at that point, you're pushing it in there. At this point, now you're like, okay, let's explore some other options because, well, we got the time to do it. Why not give it a shot? And then you really can take this 22 and a half minute epic 
and really make it the epic that you wanted to and understand every different aspect of it from the beginning to the end, all the different pieces that are intertwined there, all the progressions from one part to the next, just everything there is looked at, refined, looked at again, refined again, and just understood so that you guys get exactly what you want out of it. Yeah. And it was a nice, it was actually more, I think about it, it was a nice, like happy medium because, um, we had recorded all the, like the, the bass guitars and drums and nothing else, but that meant that I couldn't, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go back and undo all that stuff. And I'm not a home, you know, I don't, we don't have a studio like Jake does recordings, but Steph and I didn't don't. And we, uh, you know, a lot of bands like hunkered down and did like COVID bubbles and that just wasn't, um, that wasn't an op for a lot of reasons. That wasn't an option for us. So we didn't really meet Steph and I, um, lived together, but we, we did not meet as a full band for well over a year. So we had, it was like, you know, we, we had a lot of this music and we weren't going to go back and change all the stuff that we really worked hard on but all of the dressing around it extra stuff all of the vocals what the songs were going to be about like the 22 minute song i had gone through like three or four different concepts for it so it was nice it wasn't like everything was on the table like we could trash things or get rid of stuff it was like no we're, the 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 meat is staying and then it was just endless scrutinizing over the the salad dressing or whatever <laughs> but you know so it was nice to not be not torture myself too much, but to really focus in on just the things we could change or what we might do differently than in previous records. Well, that's a little interesting too, just because you guys had the base, like, like think about, like you said, a salad, you had, you know, the lettuce in there, whatever vegetables you had in there. But when it came down to it, you're trying to constantly figure out, okay, do I want the ranch? I want thousand Island. Do I want the Italian, the French? I want the balsamic vinaigrette. Do I want to use whatever Newman's own is putting out there? What do I want to go with? You know what? We just try a little bit of everything, you know, see what it works. Just Add go from three dressings, you know. Yeah, just do the crazy, like, little kid concoction where you're like, I'm just going to have a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Let's stir it all up, and I'm going to have myself a Italian dressing mixed with Thousand Island and balsamic vinaigrette. Might not taste good, but it might sound really good. <laughs> yeah. However, one other song I do want to bring up is uh, to see kind of where your thought process was, was uh, Shrouded Coconut, because that's about, I think it was a little over nine minutes. And when I was listening to it, there was one, like just listening to the kind of the sonically, listening to how everything was kind of put together. One band that kept coming to my mind as a potential inspiration, I want to see if you guys thought of this, was Rush. Yes! That's what... Yeah, R- Rush is my favorite band. So, um, that's always my biggest influence. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're bringing that up, that is, that makes my life worth living. <laughs> um, if you're picking that up, that's cool. Yeah. That's that song. We, we finally felt like, yeah, maybe we kind of do sound a little bit like rush there, which was never something I ever tried for before. Cause I just thought it was too impossible, but there's some definite like, like Stephanie is playing some very uh, Neil Peart uh, drum parts there that are like intentional. And I hope people pick up on it. <laughs> There's a particular ride pattern that he would do in so many songs. That's very, very technically difficult to play while keeping a beat. 
It's like ding, 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 and he does it a lot, and she's doing it in one section of that, like for a pretty long period of time. I was picking up on that pretty good too, because I mean, like I was looking at him, like picking up on certain different ideas and different uh just songs that are kind of remind me of, especially with the way it was technically sounded and the way it was technically produced with the more that math rock style, like picking up a little bit to like Spirit of the Radio, picking up a little bit to YYZ, just really kind of going in there, and I'm just thinking. My God, I might have to show this to my dad because he absolutely loves Rush. He might be picking up on some of this too and just see what happens. So you're kind of like, listen to that. It really took me back to just like, like a completely new sound, but reminding me of like the times listening to Rush with my dad, the one time I got to go go see Rush live, just like focusing on Neil Peart, just like, I got to watch this guy drum and actually hearing Stephanie do a little bit of that ride pattern too. Like that really did pick up on me. I'm like, whoa i can't believe they actually put something like this in here and just kind of the whole entire flow of it it's 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 rush-esque it's definitely not rush but you can tell there's a little bit of emotion like the bits and pieces in there some of that influence that really helps bring out a completely different sound well one of my favorite bands like rush and the melvins and like they're just they're almost like it's impossible to imitate them so like no there's no band that sounds like rush there's no like there are bands that sound like led zeppelin or there are bands that sound like the misfits you know um but there there's no band that sounds like rush like not one that even i can think of it's just such a bizarre throwing in of of people's tastes and those are the kind of bands i like so it's easy to it's easy to do like an homage to a rush part or whatever if you can pull it off and you're really sophisticated with the way you're playing but it's never really going to sound like them this is just the stuff's too bizarre this the stuff is bizarre but especially on shrouded coconut you guys did bring forward some of that emotion some of that sonically sounding feel from the math rock style that rush had had and just really bringing it forward where yeah it's you can pick up on some of that inspiration there and it definitely sounds like something that you know you're you're not going to hear anywhere else on the record, but also same point in time, you're not going to hear on any other record you really ever find. And it's like, okay, you want to find that so- sound more isolated? You got to go to Rush. Where else going to go for it? Nowhere else. Exactly. And we wrote that. So we wrote that song out of um, that, like what I was talking about earlier when we brought Jake in and just kind of threw him in. That song was written when uh, we would. Jan, Stephanie and I would play with Jake and just sort of teach him the old Costa Casanova songs so that he would be prepared at rehearsal when we were going through stuff with Andrew, when Andrew would get uh, home from work and take the subway over to where we, we would practice. And that just came out of like messing around and being like, this is just going to be something we should write to just almost as like a get to know you type thing. And it can be anything and it can be terrible and it could be whatever. It doesn't matter. And it was just kind of something to just mess around with. And then as we developed it, we were like, this is actually really good. Maybe this shouldn't be just an instrumental. Maybe there should be, maybe we should, you know, really focus on it. And uh, by the end, we were like, you know, really, really scrutinizing every single part. And it wasn't just goofing around. It was like, maybe this is one of the best things we've ever done. And when we took it out on the road well before the, I mean, the record's still not out. We took, took it out on the road two years ago at this point and people would just go nuts for it live. So um, we finally dropped it from the set for the first time in this recent tour. We'd played it ever since Jake joined just because it was like, man, we can't 
not play it because everyone loves it and they don't even know the song because it's not out yet. And it would just be consistently what people would praise the most and just go nuts for. So I think we did good on that one. Well, two things on that one when you're talking about Jake coming back into the band and just kind of all the different creativity was happening around that time when Jake's coming to the band and preparing for Andrew's departure as well. I mean, that is the song that just stands out as that creativity flowing. And now, you know, now that the song's going to be officially released, now that the album's going to be out there, you guys might have to add this right back to the set because I got a feeling people are going to be asking for it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely re-add it in, and it's nice to take a break. It's it's weird, like when you do these things that take so long. Like this record, I was like, it's not going to take years. We're not. It's going to come out, and then COVID hit. So it's like now all of our records, for various circumstances, are like two, three year things where I'm bored, so bored of the material by the time it comes out, or I've for- even forgotten how to play it. It's been so long. But the good thing about writing really complicated music is it's a lot or like things that really bring out like an intense sense of creativity and like wonder and all of that stuff is that it's a lot harder to get bored by it. And that's what I remember Rush would say that about like, do you get bored of playing Tom Sawyer? It's your most famous song. And they would say, never, ever get bored of it because it's so hard to play. (laughs) So even though it's their biggest hit and they, you know, it's still if you have to like really grit your teeth and focus and know that if you just daydream this will be a disaster then it's at least something interesting about the challenge of bringing a song like that out every night oh oh i, I made that makes total sense i still remember when i was trying to play drums too like my drum teacher was like okay you want something i'm like what's the most difficult thing you could think of just gave me some rush i think it might have been tom sorry i looked at the music i'm just like no why i i, I know this yeah. all too well i'm never i'm not able to do this <laughs> like this is this like there are experienced drummers that can't do this yeah i would say most yeah yeah so it's just kind of but that does make a lot of sense too you're bringing so much different creativity you're bringing so much uniqueness to it to the point where you know even when you're working on it for so long when it comes down to the time to finally play it, like keep playing it live and you keep playing it over and over again it's just so unique and different that it's the only time you're ever going to hear something like that yeah. And the, the audience, will, if, if if we're succeeding with that kind of thing, which I'm not saying we always do, but the audience will pick up on it. And then that makes you excited to play it every night, even if you've been playing it every set for a couple of years. Yep. Just keep making the audience excited. Well, Francis, I know you got to go to another interview as well. So before we close this one out, I do want to give you a chance to say whatever you want to say, plug whatever you want to plug, promote whatever I promote at the end of the podcast. So Francis, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, well, I guess when this interview airs, uh, Glass and Closed Nerve Center will already be out. But um, just please uh, check out the record on any streaming service. Uh, Bandcamp, you know, uh, the vinyl is beautiful. We have a bunch of different varieties. You can buy it on uh, Magnetic Eyes website or at our Bandcamp. And we have music videos out for Lodestar and a Bylar Con Quarantina that are really, really cool. We put a lot of effort into those. Check those out on YouTube and uh, just follow us on all of our, on all the socials and everything. And we will uh, be on the road at a city near you soon. Tour dates for December will probably be out by the time this airs and then we'll have stuff for next year as well. So perfectly said. Now my time to end with three things. First things first, Francis talked a lot about where you can find the band, where you can support the band, 
when it comes to you know new shows coming up, when it comes to listening to the brand new record, Glass and Closed Nerve Center, when it comes to getting some of those vinyls, when it comes to just supporting the band all those different places online. So instead of having to look up that stuff all yourself and where to you know stream the album and listen to it, let me do all the work for you. Description of the podcast, say fine, cost at Casanova online, links and labels for everything. So it's a one-click, one-stop shop. You just gotta click and it'll take you right there. Let me do all the hard work. You just gotta, you know, do the action. That's basically it. You become a Costa Casanova fan. We'll make it happen. Now it's time for number two, France. Whenever I have guests in the podcast, I enjoy having the podcast. I tend to make a certain promise as a way to say, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. On top of that, I would like to continue to support the band. And everyone's hit on this. I mean, I knew this was going to be another one where I was going to end up making this promise. When we pull out the whole entire Rush thing, you got the Rush sweatshirt on. Boom. It was just an absolute lock guarantee. So my promise to you is this, sir. It's not an if. It's a when. Because that implies it's going to happen. We just don't know when. When I guess you perform live for the first time, sir, my promise to you is this. First round's on me. Awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. And now I can't end this. What was that? Oh, no, no, go on. <laughs> well, now I can't end this podcast by saying goodbye because one, I would love to be back in the podcast in the future. Two, I made that promise. I don't like to break my promises. So this can't be goodbye, sir. No, no, no. This is going to be, I'll see you later. Yeah, we'll see you in Milwaukee. Hell yeah. Well, folks, I have an interview with France of the Band, Caustic Casanova, once again, their brand new album. Let me make sure I get the name of that right. Glass Enclosed Nerve Center is available now for you guys to go check out. So go check it out, stream it, listen to it, download it, buy it, whatever it is. Link strip to the podcast for the album. You can buy the vinyl, too, from these guys as well. You can also go check them out on social media and find out where they're going on tour next in late 2022 and 2023. Let's go for the podcast below. So all the links and labels there under Find Costa Casanova online. Go make sure you support these guys because you never know. They might be playing in a room of 150 people. They might be playing in front of a room of 10 people. But whatever it is, give them a chance because you never know what you're going to get. And you might just love it. Also, be sure to follow along the Corporate Rush Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for your viewing pleasure. Please hit that subscribe button if you are listening to the podcast, Spotify, Podcast, I Heard You, Amazon, or any other audio streaming service that we might be on because Britain Media is kicking ass on that front. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Noah. And hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well where you can watch these podcasts. If you're a subscriber, if you're just subscribing now, a gigantic thank you to you guys for doing that because this is like my favorite thing ever. I mean, I got to still have a full-time job trying to, you know, support myself and support this podcast until, you know, we make enough money to do this full time. But this is my favorite thing, man. I love doing this stuff. I'll take time off of work literally to do this stuff. So thank you very much. If you're not subscribed, you're like, I don't want to subscribe right now. Please reconsider. If not, again, it's free will. It's free choice. I totally understand. And I still want to thank you for stopping by the podcast. And you're always welcome back at any other given time. Oh, yeah. Also, remember to thank our sponsors, Manscaped. 20% and free shipping on your tire using the code CPP at manscaped.com. Thank you, Francis. Once again, remember, Glass and Clothes Nerve Center is out October 7th, which will be after this pod or before this podcast release, I should say. So go check it out now in the description of the podcast. Francis can't wait to, you know, bring you back in the podcast another great conversation. Maybe some other members of the band too. On top of that, seeing you live somewhere around here, maybe in 2023, hopefully in 2023. Let's make that happen. So on that note, that's gonna be for me today, guys. Thank you for watching listening to the Core Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how I end every single one. Some of the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah!